I mentioned yesterday the idea of doing an episode on people who've influenced me. Because I was talking a little bit about that dude, Robert Sapolsky, who I fucking adore. I absolutely love Sapolsky. He's class. And I've been thinking a lot over the past couple of months, I suppose, and even ever since I started off the lead. Something that's come to mind is that I should be, I suppose, a little bit careful about what I say, how I say it. Because... When you have an audience, like it's different when you're just being yourself. When you're when you're yourself, you can say and do and come and go as you please, and it doesn't really make that big a difference in the grand scheme of things. It probably makes a much bigger difference than you might think. But I don't think it's going to make the same difference when you're speaking to an audience. Obviously enough. Your reach is that little bit more when you have, let's say, an online platform such as mine. Not massively more, it's not like millions of people are hanging on me every word, but there are thousands of downloads every month, so there is a, there's an amplification there, I suppose, of the same phenomena. So each one of us is like a node in a network and something that I say to you, you might say to somebody else and you, you never really know the extent of your reach, basically, or the effect that you have on people. And that's amplified when you have any kind of a, an online presence. You, maybe you've got fucking 800 Facebook friends. It's the same fucking thing, okay? The more people that you're connected to, the more responsibility you have to ensure you're not promoting bad ideas or, or that you're not spreading hate and all the rest of it. Now, I don't think I've ever spread any hate. I don't think I've, I've ever spread any misinformation. If I've made a mistake or two along the way, I'm sure, but... As I endlessly repeat, it's never really about the, the details per se, it's more about the sentiment. But anyway, Robert Sapolsky, I'm a huge big fan of his. I'm also a huge big fan of a guy called Daniel Dennett. And Daniel Dennett couldn't disagree with Sapolsky more on the topic of free will and biological determinism. And that's okay, I, I can live with that. And I have a list of names here because this isn't an extensive list. The, the main guys are probably still there. I say guys because fuck, is there one woman on it? There's, there is, there's one woman, which is fucking shocking. And there's, I don't know how many, but I have about 20 names ahead of me here. And I'm going to not list them all off, but I'll read the name and I'll just basically say who they are and how they've influenced me. And if you want to go down the rabbit hole, you know, each to their own. So the first name on the list, and this is in no particular order, but it's funny, I say I say in no particular order because one of the, literally the last person there, Akala is his name, he's been a massive, massive, massive influence on me, far more than the majority of people on the list. And he's the, the, the last on the list. But the first two on the list are probably the two people who've influenced me the most. Number one, first and foremost, Christopher Hitchens. So... I've spoken a good bit before about my atheism and how I never really bought into the whole God thing growing up and all that jazz. And when I found Hitchens, Hitchens was able to articulate what I'd been feeling. So getting back to the whole knowing something and getting something, I got it that there was no God. I That, that religion and organised religion, to, to, to be more specific, that that was fucking evil. Okay, not holy and not moral and not ethical, but fucking evil. Okay, I got that, but I didn't know what I couldn't articulate until, of course, I came across Mr. Christopher Hitchens, one of the most articulate people on the list, if not the most articulate person ever, as far as I'm concerned. 
Um, but but he knew it. He got it and he fucking knew it. And he was an articulate motherfucker. And I had to listen to Hitchens with a dictionary in one hand and a thesaurus in the other. But he was just able to articulate my feelings so well. It was just, it was like listening to a much older, more educated, wiser version of myself. If that makes any sense. So there was Hitchens. The next one I have on the list is far more recently, uh, Jordan Peterson. Now, what I like about having Hitchens and Peterson as probably the two biggest influences in my life is that Peterson is a pretty devout religious dude. He's a, he hasn't really come out and said that he's a devout Christian, but for all intents and purposes, he is. So one of my biggest influences in, in, sorry, one of my biggest influences in life has been a big, giant, dogmatic atheist. And the other one has been a devout Christian. And I like that just just juxtaposition. Jesus Christ, what is wrong with me today? I like that just juxtaposition. Fuck me, it's in this River Valley civilization all over again. Anyway, what Peterson did for me was something that Hitchens never did. So throughout my own atheistic life, before and after I was introduced to Hitchens, the one thing that I could never reconcile about religion and religious belief was that regardless who you studied, where they came from, at what time, at what place, every single last culture on earth has had some form of God or myth or something divine, something above and beyond humanity, something that was metaphysical, okay? They all had it. And I could never reconcile that. Like, if half of them had it, half of them were just fucking dopey fucks and the rest of them got it right by not having it. But when every single last one of them had it, you just, you kind of have to ask questions. And Peterson set me straight on that to a degree. And to cut a long story short, I'm not, I, I did a podcast on this, but as far as I'm concerned, when you hear people say that religion was our first attempt at science, I think that's wrong. I think, I think that's, I don't think that's the case at all. I think religion was our first attempt at psychology. I think religion was our first attempt to understand ourselves, not the world around us. But anyway, that's Peterson and Hitchens. The next is Brian Cox, a particle physicist, I think is his, um, is his shtick. He works or has worked over at the Large Hadron Collider over in CERN. I think he's a professor of particle physics in Manchester. He's an English dude. The next two guys are both physicists as well as it happens. Michu Kakao and uh, Brian Green. Michu Kakao, I might be pronouncing that incorrectly, he's a Japanese dude, and then Brian Green is an American. Now, I have the two of these guys side by side because both of those gave me an understanding of string theory. The idea being that when you go down to the atomic level, so atoms and everything smaller, so atoms and subatomic particles, you're talking uh, muons and quarks and neutrinos and photons and, and all that jazz. Their idea is that they're both string theorists. They believe in this idea called string theory. So instead of conceptualizing subatomic particles as tiny little balls, which is, I think, is certainly what I did as a kid and what most people do, and I did as an adult until I was introduced to Michio Kakao and Brian Greene, their idea is that they're not tiny little balls, that they're strings and that they vibrate. And depending on how they vibrate, how long the string is there, how short the string is. And I should say that the string is a loop, so it's like a little circle, but it's a string. It's like an elastic band. 
It's like a subatomic elastic band. That's what strings are in string theory. So again, there are the two guys. Now again, I don't know why I went from like Hitchens, Peterson, Hitchens and Peterson, both religious people on either end, say, of the spectrum. And then the next three are particle physicists. It's just the way that the fucking, the names came out of my brain. The next guy I have is uh, Sapolsky, Robert Sapolsky, who I mentioned yesterday. Sam Harris is another guy. He's an interesting dude because he's a neuroscientist by trade, but a philosopher of sorts as well, I suppose. And one thing that I love about Sam is he's written a handful of books, mostly on religion. He was part of what was called the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. So he was one of the, what were coined, new atheists. So there was Sam Harris, Peter Hitchens, and two other guys that are on the list, and I'll get to them, Dawkins and Dennett. But... Harris wrote a couple of books about religion, Letter to a Christian Nation, what else? The God Delusion was Dawkins. Doesn't matter, I can't remember, I haven't read any of them. Listened to some of them, but haven't read any of them. I'm not a big book reader. But anyway, Sam Harris is well looking, well worth looking into. He's another biological determinist. He actually wrote a book called Free Will, and he's totally, completely and utterly convinced that it doesn't exist. The next on the list is uh, Uncle Joey, Joe Rogan. Huge fan of Joe Rogan. Haven't listened to a whole pile of him in a long time, but for a couple of years, he was very, very influential. And he would have introduced me to a lot of other people that are on this list. Neil deGrasse Tyson is another guy. He's a he's a scientist anyway. I don't know what his discipline is. But what I love about him is he would pride himself on being a being an educator. That's his whole shtick. It's not the study of science, per se, as much as it is his love of science. Next on the list then is Dawkins, Richard Dawkins. So Professor Richard Dawkins, again, I'm not entirely sure of his specific qualification. He's a biologist. of so He is certainly a biologist. What type of biologist specifically, I'm not sure. And I'm finding myself going through this too slow, so I'm going to try and, and lash it out a little bit because each one of these guys I could do, a, I could do an episode on. So that's Dawkins, then um, Dennett is the next. So, fuck, what was Dennett's surname? Daniel, Daniel Dennett. Daniel Dennett, again, a philosopher, I think. Ramachandran was the next guy. He's another neuroscientist. Alan Watts, I don't know what Alan Watts's expertise is per se. Spirituality, I think he, he did a great, what, he, what he helped me with was marrying Eastern wisdom with, with Western wisdom. The next one then, Joseph Campbell. He was a, another guy who did a lot of that. Joseph Campbell's whole shtick was on comparative mythology. So he took myths from all the different cultures and basically compared them all to see what was kind of true amongst them, which is a big shtick of mine, to be honest. Carl Sagan then was another dude. Again, I think Carl Sagan was a cosmologist. The stars is his whole thing. The pale blue dot is something that I've been meaning to do a reenactment of. I did that Charlie Chaplin thing. What was it called? The dictator speech. I reenacted that and I intend to reenact a thing called the pale blue dot. It's a speech by Carl uh, Sagan. Noam Chomsky then is the next on the list. Noam Chomsky is a, a big lefty, big giant lefty, big socialist uh, loving guy. What I love about him is he spent his literally his entire life, as the saying goes, speaking truth to power. And he's opened my eyes to a lot of a lot of the ills of capitalism, I suppose. That was his that was his influence on me. Peter Hitchens is the next guy in the list. Peter Peter Hitchens is an, is one of the guys on this list that I'm not a huge fan of per se. I don't particularly like him, but I find him very challenging. 
as it happens, he was Christopher Hitchens' brother. And him and Christopher Hitchens were like in parallel universes. They couldn't have been more opposed to each other. Something that I really don't like about Peter Hitchens is he's vehemently opposed to uh, recreational drug use. And he's a big drugs are bad kind of guy. But what I like about him and why he's on the list is he puts a fucking damn good argument forward. Like, you've often heard me uh, giving out about the war on drugs. His angle on the war on drugs is that it's never been tried. He thinks that if you really wanted to crack down on drugs, there wouldn't be any drugs. You'd arrest far more people, you'd give far more harsher sentences, and people would get the fucking message and they'd stop using it. Now... That's a broad, sweeping generalisation of his opinion. It's far more nuanced than that. But it's good, I think, to have people that you disagree with in your list of people who've um, influenced you. The next one on the list is another such man, Thomas Sowell. Thomas Sowell, to cruelly describe him as a black conservative. And he would be very much against things like social welfare. He would blame social welfare in the United States for the breakdown of the African-American family and would use that as a reason why black people in America are essentially second-class citizens. It has less, if anything, to do with historic and systemic racism and more to do with the welfare state. Again, I don't agree with him, but he puts forward a fucking damn good argument and, and, and I like that about him. Alice Roberts, uh, shout out to the only woman on the uh, list, uh, more's the pity, if any of you have any women, anything, scientists, writers, philosophers, fucking coal miners, whatever the fuck, that are worth looking up and getting into, let me know. Alice Roberts, I mentioned before, Alice explained to me why human infants are so helpless. I often wondered, since I was a small child, I couldn't understand why human beings, if we were just animals like all the rest of them, why we needed fucking hospitals. How can a fox have 10 cubs in a hole in a ditch and be perfectly fine, whereas, you know, a man and a woman can't have a baby in a climate-controlled, practically sterile home without, you know, a 70% mortality rate. Never understood that, and she explained that to me. David Attenborough then, of course, the, the world's grandfather. David Attenborough, I suppose, as a kid, I would have had a, a natural connection with nature and there was a magnetism of the natural world. I was drawn to it. But David Attenborough and his documentaries really brought the natural world into my life and gave me a real, real appreciation for it. Now, the next two people on the list are two people that I don't like. But again... I respect them and they've massively influenced me. And they're Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos. Two billionaire pricks. And that's all I'm going to say about them. The next on the list, I can't believe he's made this. I can't believe he's made the list. I can't believe he's made the list. I cannot believe he's made the list. It absolutely pains me. It pains me. You've no idea. It pains me so fucking much that this man's name is on my list. His name's Russell Brand... And I hate him. 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 But he seems to have turned his fucking life around and is quite the thinker. And uh, I don't know what, I think it's the Illuminary podcast or something. Just look up Russell Brand on uh, YouTube and have a listen. Maybe you'll hate him. Maybe you'll love him. 
I both love and hate him. He wrote a book called My Bucky Wookie, which in my book means he should be just buried alive. Um, but anyway, the next guy is Brett Weinstein. I met, mentioned Brett Weinstein recently. He put something else together for me insofar as that things can be literally true. Sorry, literally false and metaphorically true. Stephen Fry then is another guy. He One thing I love about Stephen Fry is he's not a scientist. He's, he's an actor. He's a creative person. But he has a love of science and an appreciation of thought. And he's just an articulate cunt. The next guy is Dan Ariely. I mentioned him recently as well. He wrote that great book I haven't read called Predictably Irrational. Before being influenced by Dan Ariely, I would have thought that people were rational and logical creatures, but we're not. Next on the list is a, a Navy SEAL by the name of Jocko Willink. The two big things that he taught me was, one is, these are both catchphrases of his, discipline equals freedom. And the other, it's not so much, uh, I don't know what I was going to say there. The, the two things, discipline equals freedom and extreme ownership. I think he has two books with the same name that I haven't read. But the idea of like, discipline equals freedom is relatively self-explanatory, but just to expand on a, a small bit. The more disciplined you are, the more freedom you have. So if you're not disciplined... If you go, oh, I'll do that later, oh, I couldn't be arsed, oh, blah, blah, blah. If you're like that, if you're kind of flaky, you'll never have time to do anything. But if you're disciplined, if you go, right, I, I've 10 things to do by the end of the week. I'm going to do, I can do three of them today, I can do three of them tomorrow, I can do three of them the next day. That means three days in, I've 90% of my work done. If I get that 10% done on the fourth, that means I've got three days of freedom, essentially. The other thing then was extreme ownership. And the general thesis of this idea of extreme ownership is that everything is your fault. Everything that's gone wrong with your life is entirely your fault and nobody else's. Now, you might think that, Jesus, that's a, a touch harsh, like fucking treating yourself like that and blaming yourself like that. But depending on how you frame it, so if you frame it in the sense that it's very, very empowering, if everything is your, is your fault, that means that when something doesn't go wrong, you can take credit for it. And it's very empowering to think that if everything is your fault that goes wrong, it puts a lot of control back in, in your hands. The next guy then is a guy called Stephen Ronella. Stephen Ronella has a, the Meat Eater show, it's called. Check out Meat Eater on YouTube. It's essentially a hunting program. And he's another articulate deep cunt as well. He's not just someone who goes out and shoots animals and takes photos of, you know, big antlers and all that jazz. He's a conservationist at heart and very, very pro hunting, but not in the loves to kill animals for the crack kind of a way. Next guy then is a guy called Alex Gray, who I suppose could be best described as a visionary artist or a, 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 a a psychedelic visionary artist. Just put Alex Gray into Google Images, or better still, COSM, C-O-S-M, that stands for Chapel of Sacred Mirrors. He's a fucking really interesting dude. He's building a church, I think he's technically started his own religion, called the Chapel of Sacred Mirrors. Check out the man's art, and the, the Chapel of Sacred Mirrors is basically a uh, it's like a cult for artists, for want of a better term, and some of the art that gets produced out of this place, it, it's all, not all, but mostly psychedelic-inspired art, and it's just fucking mind-blowing. Even if you've never taken a psychedelic in your life, if you have and you've gone deep, 
like the deeper you've gone into psychedelics the more you'll appreciate alex gray's art but a, a fascinating dude um graham hancock is the next dude haven't mentioned graham hancock in a good while graham hancock put me down an ancient uh, civilization rabbit hole he's a really really interesting dude now and a, again a kind of a polarizing figure if you look up graham hancock on wikipedia i think it, he's down as a pseudoscientist um which isn't particularly fair but look he, he doesn't have a the piece of paper behind him to put weight behind his words so that's just the world that we live in next guy is tim ferris uh tim ferris similar character to joe rogan very different but um a podcaster one of the first podcasters he's around forever he wrote a couple of books that I haven't read, The Four Hour Work Week and The Four Hour Cookbook and, and all that jazz. But he's just, he's an interesting dude. And one thing that I like about him more than most is he's, intro, he's introduced me to loads of different people. So even whereas I mightn't have learned much from him per se, he's introduced me to a load of cunts. Next then is Gabor Mate. Gabor Mate, I'm a huge fan of. Gabor Mate taught me a lot about addiction. And I've mentioned his definition of addiction before and I'm going to paraphrase it here. His conceptualization of addiction is nothing to do with substances for a start he recognizes addiction as something that you enjoy doing in the short term and that gives you pleasure in the short term sorry something that you enjoy doing gives you pleasure in the short term but has negative long-term consequences so that could be it could be substances it could be nicotine it could be alcohol it could be cannabis it could be heroin but it could be shopping it could be gambling it could be sex it could be reading it could be wiping your arse. It could be fucking anything. But again, so long as you enjoy doing it, it gives you short-term happiness or joy or comfort or pain relief, but has long-term negative impacts. Hoarding money, it could be. Okay? And then last on the list, but certainly not least, is Akala. Akala is... Fuck, what is Akala? He's a rapper. He's a philosopher. He's a writer. And I suppose he opened my eyes mostly to uh, colonialism. And, yeah, colonialism. So, there's a tune of his called Thieves' Banquet, I think it's called. And that's another thing. That's, that's the next rap that I think I'm going to cover. Um, the premise of it is the devil organises a dinner and he welcomes all the thieves and murderers and scum of the earth to attend the dinner. And... Uh, all the evil people that attend this dinner have to put forward their case for being the most evil in the world. And there's the top four that the song focuses on. And it's the monarchs of empire, so kings and queens and royalty and all that jazz. Third world dictators. Who are the other two? Bankers. And religious institutions or religious leaders. So that's the next rap that I'm going to cover. Now that won't be covered like I covered... Mother Lover, that'll be covered like I covered that Eminem tune, My Dad's Gone Crazy. I'm going to give it me best to, fucking give it me all, basically. I'm going to try and figure out a way of doing the music as well so I don't have to do a bunch backing track like I did for Mother Lover. But look, that's the list. Where are we? 23 minutes. It's not an extensive list. I most certainly intend to add to it. I'll absolutely do... I might actually do a series. There's one for you. I might pick 42 names and do a five to ten minute episode on each name. Ooh, that could be season seven. Who knows? And on that note, I'll chat you soon.